Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lady 
Bishop, Father, Lady Jester, but most of all, Latresa, God. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's just go ahead and bring this great woman of God on. You guys know her. For those of you who are tuning in and you've been sending me messages, you know her. Well, you, you know about her. I'll put it that way. You know about her. But we want to go ahead and bring her on. I want to tell you there's some things that are coming up, and I want you to give you a definition you can write down because this is a time of transparency. And what that means is the condition of being transparent. This is a time for the real truth that she's going to talk about her book in just a moment and talk a little bit about her. Those of you who saw the Facebook Live, you know that um, both of them were transparent in what they were talking about, and it was real. So I want you to understand what transparency really is. Being transparent, it's a condition that you have of being transparent, and that means to be easily perceived that people can detect you. It's allowing light to pass through you, and we are the salt of the earth, and we are the light, and we need to allow this light to pass through us so that other people can see, and they can see what's behind us, what's behind us, and that is your truth. It's also um, encouraging to know that she will tell the truth. She perceives and tells thoughts and feelings and motives that are easily perceived. You don't have to wonder where she's coming from, and that's the beauty of life. And so we want to bring um, Lady Bishop on. Bishop Latresa Jester, we thank you so much for being with us on tonight. It is an honor. Can you just greet the listening audience first? Um, Yes, gladly. Uh, It is an honor. Let me say this first. Um, I I do have manners, so let me say thank you so very much for the honor and the privilege of allowing me uh, to be on this amazing show, uh, excited about what God is doing in your life. Uh, And to those of you that are listening again, thank you uh, for taking the time out uh, to hear, uh, to be in position to perceive. I think that this is just an amazing season that we are in. And so let me say, um, as we prepare, uh, uh, we've heard our hosts talk about me and being transparent. And so here it is. I heard the Lord say to me that my deliverance was connected to my ability to be transparent. Um, and so I had to get to a place to to share and be real and be open, uh, uh, not be a light that was hard to see, but a light um, that would draw. And so excited about our time together today and just believe that together uh, we are better. So again, thank you so very much for tuning in to listen uh, to my story. Awesome, awesome. I am. Um, so we're going to get right into this because I have to limit the number of people that can come on and even ask questions. First of all, so we want to make sure you have time to just say something and talk about the book. We're talking about listen, people. He didn't marry the lady or the bishop. He didn't marry the bishop. By Latrice Jester. This is a transparent story of the broken girl that didn't break. And I want you to go ahead and start off with the first thing. This book is so amazing. The first thing that I, in the preface, really like. What that first thing says, what? Please tell us. <laughs> uh, my preface says Cinderella messed me up. 
um, uh, I, I'm very clear in the book that I say as, as a little girl, I always felt that I was different and even to a place to where I kind of felt like I was an out and it wasn't something that I choose, uh, that I chose to be. Um, but, but based on life and circumstances, man, I just, um, was somewhat of a loner. Uh, I, I created uh, stages in my room and in my mind, um, but Cinderella was really um, uh, somebody, I guess Cinderella was somebody I looked up to. Cinderella was my role model um, because Cinderella, too, appeared broken um, but met a man, met Prince Charming, and her brokenness took a back to her romance. And so uh, I lived my life early on believing that when I met my Prince Charming, that my brokenness um, would take a back seat because he would solve my problems. Uh, As you go throughout the book and even the preface, I make it clear um, that I fired Cinderella um, because it was a fairy tale that um, uh, if I married broken, I would just be married broken, that it wasn't until I uh, became a whole person that my marriage had an opportunity to work so fairy tales can mess you up if you believe the fairy tale. Uh, so I, I loved Cinderella at one point in my life, and then I fired her and left the land of fairy tale and started living uh, in the possibilities of reality. My goodness, my goodness. So it's so critical for us to live in our the possibilities, you say exactly, possibilities of our reality. And there's going to be some questions that will help bring light um, to this for some of the, the females that are coming on. Um, I, I, I want to say that I really wanted to have more men come on and ask you questions as well because I think it's so important for men to understand what you're saying, how you're saying it, and why you're saying it, and particularly male ministers to understand the, the truth behind it just in case they're not reading the book, they can hear it from you. So, but I'm appreciative for those, all you women that came on, say, I want to ask questions. We'll probably do another session of this um, in the near future because we want you to get this book. This book is, and I'm going to touch on some stuff at the end, but others have questions of this. This book is amazing to read because I can tell you, um, suggester, that I identified with this book as well. And it's it's amazing you being a trailblazer that you are, that you actually put it in writing for women to see all over the world and throughout generations. So was that in mind for you when you wrote the book? Um, I knew that. um, I don't think that I, when I started writing it, I don't think that I really knew um, how big I thought it was going to be. Um, Again, it was... I knew that somebody else had to say, I could not have been the only one with this story. Um, Could not. Someone else had to be able to relate with my suffering, Um, uh, you know, and so I think that that was it. It was more so to deliver the individual, and then it just so happened that God has released me to impact the world, but it was really about the individual person um, that they could be able to see the book, hear the words, and realize that they were not in this thing by themselves. Somebody else made it. Wow, wow. So can you talk about there's some things that you said on Friday um, on the Facebook Live. There, there was something in particular that you said, and you also said it in the book. When you were um, 
going through the questioning, and my goodness, those questions were the thing that they took you all through that you had to know was amazing, first of all. So gospel hats off to you because not many people do that. And the thing they asked, um, I believe, um, your husband, he said, um, what should we, they said, what should we call you? And his response mm-hmm. was, I'm good with Brian. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, so let me say this. One of the things that I love so very much about my husband is um, that he he made it clear that the call for the ministry was on my life. Uh, it shifts our lives, but I was the one called into ministry. And so the title, the changes, were based on what God said to me. Though we chose to marry, our callings were individual. Uh, and he respects that so very much and does not at all feel that he has to be called something in order to be who he is. And so in the process of our consecration, the answers, then we go through uh, weeks. It's almost as if, uh, they'll tell you, it's almost as if we get an MDiv in six months. It is ridiculous oh training. It's ridiculous. And so once we, uh, uh, we get to the place of taking our test, um, you go into a room and you have to now in front of a board. So they brought the spouses in first. Now I promise you, I was scared. I was in the office. I mean, in the hotel room, going into prayer because my husband is, you know, just who he is. And and they said to him, um, "Sir, what do we call you?" Because full gospel calls the women. Um, uh, if, if if the roles were switched, I would be Lady Jester. Um, and and so they wanted to put a name on him. Uh, do we call you Gentleman Jester? Do we call you First Gentleman? Do what do we call you? What do we call the bishop's husband? Uh, because there are no more bish- female bishops in full gospel that are married. So they were attempting to set a standard by him, and he he didn't help. <laughs> with the standard because he was so good with just being called Brian um, and did not want them to, uh, to, to attach a title to him, uh, but just concentrate on me. And so uh, we even feel that our, at our church, he's just, you know, because, you know, he, he operates in, the, in his assignment as a deacon, but as far as an official title, uh, full gospel did not get that from him. He was just good being called Brian or, hey, bro, you know, what's up? But don't put a title on him. Yeah, I love that. I love that about him. So I will – I want to go ahead and ask some questions. Um, one of the ladies are having a hard time getting in, so I want to make sure I go ahead and ask you these questions that she sent. And there's about – there's three or four of them here. So okay. she's also a, um, a minister, um, a fellow minister, and she asked, First of all, how do you manage your time? People are watching you. People are seeing you. We see that you're going. That's a tour. You're pastoring. You're having to take over certain regions and also doing um, going to different conferences and then growing real talk. And then there's other things you navigate through with mentoring. How do you manage the time? Uh, one event at a time. 
Um, so I really do. It's one event at a time. Uh, I have a calendar. I have a team um, that is that really works with me um, to to schedule some things, to communicate with people um, uh, in preparation of me going to different places. But I promise, I work hard on concentrating at one thing at a time. Um, as much as I multitask, there can only be one thing in the one number one position at a time. Um, and so I think that that's extremely important um, that we that we figure out what's first and we deal with that while looking ahead. So by the time I by the time my grown woman real talk um, uh, forum becomes number one, I have to make sure that I'm ready to do that. And so things shift places. But I think, you know, it's, it's the ability to see the big picture uh, and then watch this big one, know when to say no. Um, as much as I am, I'm traveling a lot, uh, I am doing a lot, but there are still some things that I have to say no to um, yeah. uh, because really my first ministry, uh, man, it's, it, it's home. It is. I don't. My house ain't always spotless, but I work hard to make sure my husband knows that that he is priority. So I think it's just a matter of of, of, of prioritizing, um, opting out of some things, and then concentrating on uh, whatever is first in the moment, and then being ready to shift. That's good. That's good. Um, so. I'm going to reiterate for those who may not have had a time to jot that down, but the key is one event at a time. Get a team and make sure you have a calendar and then know your first ministry. So if you haven't jotted those things down, that's good mentoring and teaching right there, managing your time. The second question is, um, do you still face discrimination as a woman pastor? this is probably going to throw some people off, but I have no idea. I'm so good with me that I don't worry about them. And, uh, you know, I have a church. I'm sorry. I have a church, so I have a pulpit to preach in. I'm not, I'm not uh, marketing opportunities to preach. So, I, you know, I, I really don't. I don't know. Um, if so, they don't tell me, <laughs> you know. So uh, I've been in this long enough to where I have established great relationships, and I never try to prove um, I'm a female preacher. I don't do that. I'm a preacher that happens to be a female, but I don't pull, try to prove something based on my gender. Um, so, again, if there is discrimination, um, God keeps me so busy that I don't even know it's happening. Did y'all hear that? We just need to pay attention to who, what we are, and um, walk that out. Is that what is that what I'm hearing from you? It really is because listen, if you don't want me in your church, uh, you're not the door he was opening for me, and I'm good. I'm totally good with that. And so you didn't close the door. God just didn't open it. Two totally different things. Two totally different things. So um, I just don't give man that much attention to believe you can stop me from being God called this, uh, God ordained this. And so I never give man the power to believe he can control, stop, or derail what God has already ordained. I'm, I'm just good. My goodness. 
My goodness, my goodness. How did, did you start off in that question that um, she had related to that? So we're going to skip over that because it, it's null and void. So how did you get there? Did you start off that way, or how did you, how did you get to that point where you just No, good? so let me – I did not. I did not start off that way. Um, I think that, uh, the, you know, through, through years of wisdom and knowledge and, and learning to be comfortable with me, uh, early on in ministry um, – let me just say I was I was obedient to whatever was told to me by my leaders. And so um, one of the things in the book says, uh, my first license was as an evangelist. I was not an evangelist, but that's what they called me. So one day uh, someone said evangelist and I didn't answer. And it was as if God said, because that's not what I called you. So be careful what you answer to. And it was through that process that God began to show me that I did not have to respond uh, to what man was calling me, but to be what he had already ordained me to be. And through the years of of just trusting God, um, uh, the weight of 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 misobedience. I don't even know if that's a word. It's a preacher word, <laughs> but but the weight of 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 adhering to something that God did not say. It just, you know, I looked up and it didn't bother me anymore. So I definitely believe that the more I trust him, the less I needed them. And that, and it, and, it, and it was, it was just a process. And I looked up one day and went, oh, <laughs> that don't even bother me no more. So, so it definitely was a process, but it came down to the place of me trusting God. And if I believe this is what God was telling me to do, the rest was up to him. He was going to do what he wow. did. And, it, you know, I didn't have to worry about it. Wow. Listen, people of God, the more you trust them, the less you depend on them. Did you all hear that? Yeah. The more you trust them, the less you depend on them, whoever them is in your life. That's, that's so profound. I, I love it. I love it. Um, so that Nolan voice any other question because, listen, y'all hear that? Didn't even pay attention. You just got to be good with what God has made you and be and, and walk in that and walk in that. So I want to um, just kind of shift a little bit. There's a couple of things I wanted to make sure and bring out from the book. And it's, it's for those of you who will have the book right now, and I know some of you said you were going to have it out on, while on the broadcast, on page 21 of the book, um, it, started, it was talking about the look. If y'all don't know, um, I'm going to say it this way, if you don't know Latrice Jester's look, um, <laughs> then you really don't know her, okay? So I'm going to just say that right now. <laughs> but these, this look, many of us have this look, too. You say something in that fourth paragraph on there. I am not the mistake of my past. I am fearfully mm-hmm. and wonderfully made, even when my wonderfulness gets off track. Please, please yeah. tell us about that. Man, um, I have just made my share of mistakes. I, I have. I've, I've just made some some. Uh, some choices that were that God, I'm sure, was just not pleased with. That particular portion of the book comes under the title of "No Longer Hiding in Plain Sight," um, yeah. because though you can 
see me, I was hiding. And and, and I remember um, getting to this place to where um, um, my look was get off me. And that's just what it was for the most part as, as, as it relates to men. It was get off me. Um, and I think that I finally had to come to the place to where I could I could be comfortable with me and not to allow them to disrespect me. Uh, I sometimes got too friendly, uh, and that's just honest. I got too friendly and allowed men um, to, dis- to dishonor God's brand. And I played with it. I I, I I got in it, and it was finally at a place to where I made the decision um, that 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 I did not have to ever be in a place where uh, who I was was less than based on again them. This them just happened to be the male female kind of relationship, and and this is just honest. All brothers uh, looking at you in church don't want your anointing. That's right. They just don't. And I had to be comfortable enough um, to know how, I promise you, some of them still say it in full gospel. Why are you looking at me like that? Look, bruh, you know, if you know me, you know my look. If I don't want to engage, you still know my look. Um, but, but, but it became a defensive mechanism for me um, because, and here is the honest to God truth, because I was such a mess in the world, the look drew men to me. And so then I felt like I had to do something to keep men off of me. So uh. what worked in what worked in the club, man, I didn't want that same thing to be working in the church. And uh, so if my look was working against me, and I didn't even know it. Um, so I really had to. I did. I had to get to a place to where. Uh, I didn't even know I created the look. Now, now sometimes the look is just get yourself together. I mean, I'm talking to females. I need you to get yourself together um, because, you know, uh, I practice not giving foolishness a stage, and oftentimes women give foolishness a stage, and I will give them the look oh, to sit down, little girl. Sit down, little girl. Um, so the look has the look is open for interpretation. <laughs> I promise you it is. <laughs> This is open to interpretation. Okay, well, I probably yeah. will, those of us with discernment will probably interpret it. <laughs> yep. But who is on the line, who is going to ask their question at this time, and I want to make sure you're on. Janice, are you on? Janice, are you on? Hopefully we can hear her. I can't hear her. Okay, I'm sorry. I had it on mute because I'm on this on this bus ride home. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> well, if you, yes, we can. You can go ahead and begin to ask your question, and thank you so much for coming on. Okay. So um, my question is that I am uh, new to ministry and uh, currently married. So uh, my question is um, how to get your spouse to understand that uh, – Ministry is who you are, and sometimes it's uh, your character, that it is part of your character. Um, I heard you say early on that you just have to make your priority uh, your home as your first ministry. Uh, even doing that, how do you get your your spouse to understand that, you know, a lot of times you will be drawn away due to ministry? Um, so, again, I think that this is a process. Um, let me say to you that it took you a minute to get it. 
Um, what I don't want you to do is to put the expectation of your timing on him. Um, because now that you understand it, um, don't assume that you all have to arrive at the same place at the same time. Does that make sense? Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, as far as myself and Brian was, uh, uh, and I say this in the book, man, I'm clear about this in the book. I say uh, to God, how long did I have? Do I have to wait on Him? I'm very open with this story, very open. Y'all have heard it a hundred times, and God said, how long did I wait on you? And so the wait became a draw for him because the longer um, uh, the, the timing was God working on him through demonstration of me. So I just had to keep demonstrating that I was genuine, demonstrating that I had changed, demonstrating that I was a different person, and my life begin to draw him into ministry, and, and then it wasn't hard. But, but I did not tell him he had to change. I demonstrated change, and it became attractive. And he began to want what I was living. So I think if you just live your life and just do your thing, uh, the draw is not your responsibility. It's God. So as long as you don't try to be God and, and make him change, make him see it, uh, God will do the drawing uh, through your demonstration. So, so just do you. I promise you, just do you. The one thing that I can say, be careful not to have an affair with ministry. That's key. Wow. Don't have an affair with ministry. Um, wow. Don't make your husband jealous over the ministry. Uh, don't get all cute and dressed up for ministry. Don't spend more time with ministry and then you keep tired for him. Uh, don't jump around the church shouting all the time and then you get home all broke down, busted, and disgusted. No, baby. Um, but what you give out, you got to give in. So you just got to be really careful. Don't Don't have an affair with ministry because then he'll get jealous of what you're doing, and then that creates a problem at home. Just trust God, ask questions, you know, ask questions. I was like, hey, you know, how am I doing? What you need? What am I lacking? Uh, ask questions. And uh, uh, it's not, I promise you, when you start this thing out communicating uh, and trusting God, it's, it's really not. We make it, women make it difficult because we most of the time try to prove something. Don't try to prove your call. Just be called, and God will do the rest. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That's pretty powerful. So I, I, I think the lesson um, behind that for some of us as well is just what you said. Don't have a, an affair in ministry. Um, we're, we're dressing up for something else and not dressing up for our first ministry. That's out of order, first of all. I'm going to be transparent and say I had to learn that as well. You can't just be, you know, lounging around the house all the time you know, with your hair all scrappled and, I mean, then what what good is he to, to be with you? And y'all know what I mean by be with you. I'm trying to be correct on here. Well, I mean, why would he want to? That's not enticing. I try to make my it's husband not. look at me. Listen, <laughs> I, I put some do on. not, can I, can I tell you this? I don't own a yes. moo. I do all not right. own a moo. No, I don't. I buy 
sundresses that are a little, yeah. you know, too too cute yeah. to be outside. But that's my house dress. I don't walk right. around in no movies. That's not attractive. <laughs> it's not. It's not attractive. It's not attractive. <laughs> all right. I hope some men got something to say. Y'all, y'all let us know. Is it attractive or not? Moo moo or no moo moo? That's going to be the next topic. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much, Denisa. Thank you so much for joining in. Yeah, that was funny. I hear y'all. I see y'all. Um, sending me messages and stuff. That is hilarious. No moo-moos, y'all. Let's not do the no. moo-moo. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, so before our next person comes in, I just want to go ahead and um, ask another question, if you don't mind, from the book. I do want to reflect on the book quite a bit because I want people to hear some things that you said. Um, I, there was um, something that was about, let me just go back to this here. It's near the front because the front caught me for a while, and I had to reread okay. it and highlight my book and everything. And thank you so much for writing my book, but I had to highlight the pages are bent down and so forth. Then mm-hmm. in the first, I believe it is, the first chapter. Okay. And I the second chapter, Deliver Me From My Wrongs. And for those of you who know you've done wrong, that should have been something, this particular one should have been something that, I mean, put you on the floor and ask God to continue to keep you because you know who you are. You know what you've done. But the reality of it was this. It's on page six, and then I want to go to page seven about brokenness. But it says, I wonder how many people go throughout life living below their potential based upon childhood emotions. There are so many people who go about searching to prove something that has already been proven. And you kind of touched on that. Please please help us with that. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think that this got me because – Again, in reading the book, you realize that my arrival uh, here, uh, my birth was surrounded around some 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 emotions uh, with my mother, and I took my childhood or what I thought my mother thought of me, and I owned um, that I was not lovable. I owned that. My mother never said it, um, uh, but I owned it. And so I began to live life based on a perception and not a reality. So because I perceived um, that I had uh, been abused emotionally without having a conversation, that began to shape me. And so because it was based around what I believe to be my mother's inability to love me like she loved my younger sister, I started looking for love in all the wrong places. And so I say I wonder how many people go through life living uh, um, uh, below their potential based on, really, it says childhood uh, emotions, but I really could say based on misperceptions. Um, We perceive wrong, and then we live life based on um, perception that really, even if they are your reality, you can shift it. 
even if it happened, um, even for those that's been abused, those that's been um, mistreated, those that were molested, even if that did happen, um, where we go wrong is believing that what happened has to always dictate what's happening. Um, we don't let the past be the past, but we allow our past to dictate our future, in essence, limiting the power of God. So so the question is, how many people my, my, just my. get stuck in that place and never move beyond, um, the, never move into a, a life of mm. being delivered? Yeah, mm. yeah, that was my story for a long time. For a long time, I was stuck. I, wow. I was, uh, God had taken the shackles off, but I still operated as if I was bound. I was free, but I didn't even know it because I had behaved as one in bondage so long that when freedom came, I didn't choose to walk in it. I walked bound even though I was free for years, for years. And so many people, and I know the next person um, is probably ready to ask their question, but and so many people are walking shackled. I think that, and this is not just about um, African Americans. I want you guys to get this, but I, I want to particularly say in the African American um, culture, as a result of sometimes because of slavery and or um, just just you know being treated a certain way. There are a lot of African American men walking around still shackled. This shackling is not in the you don't see it in the natural, but it's in the mind. It's in the heart. Their spirit is still bound. And so what would you say to and I want I do want to shift it a little bit because there's a topic that's coming up that was sent to me to talk about this a little bit and we'll be talking with some men in October, I believe it is, about this. But I want you to address that particular point because I think they can also identify with a lot of things in your book of how they can become free. Um, let, let me let me kind of jump to the page that you said. You, you might have – we're going to reference this. I'm not sure. But page 7 says this, broken creates its own reality. That's so the when one. you yes. come out of yeah, when you come out of brokenness, that becomes your reality, and you associate uh, with broken so much that that becomes real, even when it is not. And so culture, whether it is the African American culture, whether it is the culture within your family, whether it is the church culture, we have not made uh, suffering safe. So we wow. pretend as though we are not suffering, and then we deal with the demons by ourselves. We fight these things by ourselves. And opposed to learning from someone that is delivered, we keep hanging around other people that are bound. So we continue to act at the, at the level of the crowd of our company, opposed to uh, making it safe to get help, to have a conversation. Again, the enemy plays with our mind. If I can get you to just believe this is life, this is the best it's going to be, you will accept that. And that's why I say so many people die um, never living based on their potential because they didn't, watch this, have a conversation. <laughs> Sometimes wow. freedom 
is as close as a conversation. But if you never tell anybody uh, you're hurt, if you never tell anybody um, that you're stuck, you stay there because we've not made suffering safe. Men and male and female, we've not made it safe. We've not, and that's the problem. Wow. I'm grateful for the fact that we're having this conversation and that the book was written to help others to come out of that broken language, to come out of that broken, um, well, creating your reality. That was exactly the thing that I highlight. Broken creates its own reality. That caught me because then we begin to talk like we're broken, act like we're broken, walk like we're broken, and you act like you're broken, and thus we have broken relationships, we have broken Mm -hmm. ministries, we have broken households, Mm -hmm. we have broken work environments. It's just broke, 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 broke. Yeah, yeah, broke, 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 broke. I agree. I agree. It is in that place where I said I related more to women, I mean to men than I do women, and I said I I even said I don't like women. If that ain't broken language, I would say I didn't like myself. And I didn't even know it. Wow. Do you know how many women say that right now? I don't like women. Broken. Yeah. Broken. Yeah, yeah. And you don't even know it. Don't even know it. <laughs> Lord help me. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> Does that mean I don't like my mama? I don't like my sisters. I don't like my cousins. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's wait, good. wait. I'm gonna... No, pull, it, pull that in and make that, make that more personal. You don't like you. That's true. That's really what that is. You don't even like yourself. Wow. That statement is? That is foolish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, that's foolishness. So, women, I'm going to tell you, we've got to speak the right language. We have to speak delivered language. We're not bragging, we're just delivered, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm just going to say, yeah, I know, I know, I, yeah, I read the book, so I got it. There's some chapters I didn't read because I read what was most important to me at the time. So I'm going to read the rest of it, though, so everybody will know. Yeah, I'm going to read this whole book. <laughs> so let's um, let's 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 shift, and I want to bring on want to bring on another person who wanted to make sure they asked a question as well in regards to the book. And this is an awesome question. I thought, um, Royal, are you on? Hmm. Royal, are you on? Yes, yes, I'm on. Can you hear me? I we sure can. Thank you so much for joining Kingdom Authority. We do have um, Lady Bishop on on today, and so if you can go ahead and just ask your question to her. Okay. Uh, first off, I just say the the book is amazing. Um, I think you wrote wow. out my life too. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> however, the biggest one that stood out to me was. How did you know you, the church that you were having an affair with the church? Um, because the because my desire was everything church. Um, my mm. excitement was everything church. Um, mm. I dressed up. Uh, my look was all for outside church related. Uh, but then when I came home, I was tired and I didn't have anything. I was nice to church people. I was an angry beast at home. So the minute I pulled into my garage, it was as if my attitude shifted. Um, Mm. 
And so it was as if uh, I, I was in love. I, I loved, watch this, I loved my, ho- my house, but I was in mm-hmm. love with the church. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. in love mm-hmm. with them. And so they got the best of me, which was yeah. not how God ordained it. They got the mm-hmm. best of me, and, and my family got the leftovers. That's mm-hmm. when I knew I was in trouble. That's when I knew I was in trouble. Yeah. And so your first ministry, um, man, it has to be what's at home. It has to be what's at home. You can never do uh, more for another man than you do for your own man. Right. <laughs> no man. Yeah. No man. Yeah. And so I think that that's what's the thing. Or one man. Um, I think that we just have to extremely be careful. So um, push balance a lot. I don't push that word because I believe passion, uh, whatever you're passionate about, is going to mess up balance. But but when you when you know there's no harmony. Um, to really what's going on at home. There's no really good harmony. And and, and, and I promise you this, you know Brian Jester, he told me. <laughs> he told me. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, so yeah. we have to learn how to listen um, to what they're saying without responding, fussing. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, he told me my priorities were messed up. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> oh, did God. you have another question, Royal? I actually do. I actually, you know, I do. <laughs> so how do you Nobody shift? Did. How do you shift? How do you make the adjustment? How did you shift? Um, listen, uh, you pull the trigger. Uh, you really do. Some things I don't think um, are about, you know, by the end of the year, I'm going to stop doing this as it relates to, say, for instance, you say um, six months, I'm going to uh, pull back on that ministry. Listen, this is what happens. In six months, you might lose your main ministry. So I think Mm -hmm. you sit down and you have a conversation uh, with home and say, tell me what you need from me to make this better, and then be willing to do it. Don't you decide what better is. Go to who you want to be better with and be Mm. willing to do what he says. Yeah, yeah, because he's the one you cheat on. (laughs) So you can't go tell him, I'm only going to cheat like this. (laughs) No, no. You you started it. So now right. you have to go say to him, what do you need of me? I mean, I think that because if you try to create a plan, your plan was the reason uh, uh, you started the affair with the church because your plan. Right. And listen, just because it was good intentions does not make it right. Can I make that yeah. very clear? Because mm-hmm. most of us do good things with the church, but it does not mean because my heart was good that that's the best thing for me to be doing for my home. Oh. Yeah. And, and yeah. So yeah. I think you have a conversation. You have a conversation and be willing um, to do what's necessary to get it right, to get it right. And, and, yeah. and watch this. When you tell him he's first, He'll let you do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They just yeah. want to know their first. Yeah. 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 They just want to know. He might not even change your time. Yeah. 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 Royal, I want to I want to make sure to piggyback because I just got another question from a gentleman. 
and the group listening in, they are coming on now. So <laughs> um, just kind of deals with this. What happens when he doesn't know what he wants from you? Ah. What happens when he doesn't know what he wants from you? Uh-huh. Discover it. Watch this. Discover it together through time. Wow. If you just spend time together, you will learn to discover what it is you've been missing. Time will be the method of discovery. But unless you're willing to devote the time, he will never know and then be bitter. He'll, he'll be silent but bitter. So just give time and say, then let's figure this thing out together, which still means there's a shift happening because you're dedicated to date night or watching a movie or whatever it is that, that, you know, you're watching a movie and it's not Noah's Ark. (laughs) It ain't true. (laughs) (laughs) It's not (laughs) true. Yeah. Um, yeah, y'all know, for real. Oh y'all gosh. know we can say we go watch a movie and then it's, it's all deep and spiritual. No, sometimes, listen, um, every once in a while, my husband and I go away, and, and it's like I'm so happy to be with, he calls me trees, with trees, not bishop, not oh. pastor. I just want trees, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, so yeah, so time, watch this. Because uh, like Brian, we po- Brian posted the other day. Y'all call her bishop. I call her wife. And so <laughs> right. when, you, when you begin to spend time, um, he will learn uh, because it's true. He might not know, but baby, can I tell you? Mm-hmm. It's something about teaching and discovering together that I promise you will mm-hmm. shift your ministry. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. Yeah. I want to. I wow. want to reiterate, and I think it would be better if you read this, but I want to make sure and read it. You got, if you all can go to chapter 15, and this is what you always tell me, you should have been ready. You should stay ready. And so um, I'm just putting that out there. Yes, she talked ready to me and gives me the look, y'all. Not the same look you did in the book, but here's the thing. On page 99 of that chapter, if you look here, um, there are several things I want to touch on, but I want to make sure and bring this out. The last paragraph into the next page. It is natural for women to follow their man and adjust in ministry as ladies such and such. However, how do you deal with the man that is a natural leader but is also married to a leader? Here is the answer. Don't let the caller dictate the relationship. The title bishop didn't change our relationship because I honor who I am as a wife and absent the caller, I will still be his wife. That's powerful. I love the timing of God because he knew that I could handle the title and the honor my husband and honor my husband at the same time. Although he didn't marry the lady or the bishop, he is in love with Lady Bishop. And can you read that last part? Don't miss this part, um, Lady Bishop. Don't miss this. We are not co-pastors. My husband is a deacon that runs the sound room of the church. He is smart enough to know that controlling the sound from the back of the room controls the sound in the room. He didn't marry the lady bishop, but he is married to her, and it works. <laughs> and it works. Man. Man. Yeah, and it, it works a lot. Yeah. It did. And you talked yeah. about learning each other over time, you know, your individualities. You talk about that in the book. 
And so I, that's why it's so powerful. You said something just a few minutes ago that made me go there because over time we'll learn to appreciate one another's individuality and respect it and honor it because we all have a place as we take authority in our territory. And I thought that was so powerful when you said that in the book. I mean, I, yes. I don't even know. I just, yes. It blessed me. I believe that some of our, uh, some of the doors um, uh, are not open because we don't, we have yet to honor the gift that he's already given us. Um, so because God does not want us uh, to minimize who he is or the anointing that's on our lives, um, he's holding back on some things because you don't appreciate what you currently have. And so I'm very clear that timing was extremely important because had they made me bishop um, six or seven years ago, I'd have lost my marriage because because I would have pursued that. And so God said, not yet. I need her to grow up and mature in me so that when she gets to the stage, the stage doesn't get to her head. So he waited until I was comfortable enough in who he was and could still honor my husband. Because I promise you, I promise you, uh, early on, I didn't get it. Nobody taught me how to be a pastor, so I made some mistakes. But my marriage was so important that some of that stuff just had to hold back until this ministry was secure enough to not be intimidated or lost because of the other one. Yeah, mm. yeah that's, that's pretty big right there. That's pretty big. Um, I want to ask this question um, that one other person sent me, so let me just make sure I have this correct. And she asked, when do you know it's time to confront something? So I believe she's talking about the part um, with your mother and how you felt about that whole journey growing up. And she asked specifically, when did you know you should talk to your mother about how she treated you? Um, I knew um, when it began to control the way I think. Uh, that thing had shaped me so much to where I was living a good life, but again, there were parts of me that was not free. So uh, the thoughts of um, the situation with my mother ran me so much that it began to control my life. Um, and so it was time because uh, you should never be in a place to where, uh, again, the past controls your future. And that thing was controlling me so much that I could not be free. So whenever, whatever you're thinking about prevents you from being free, it's time to have a conversation. It's time to have a conversation. I th- I spent a lot of time in prayer. I really did. And God released me um, to have the conversation. And, and, again, he released me and prepared my mother to where she said just the right thing um, that, man, in the moment a weight was lifted off of me. So I promise you, go into prayer. Um, but when that thing uh, keeps you from embracing your future because all, because you are so consumed with the past, it's, I promise it's time to have a conversation. I hope um, for you who asked that question or some question that was similar to that, I wanted to make sure and bring it up since the person couldn't get on. So I wanted to make sure to bring that up because it's so critical for us to 
have conversations and talk things out and to and and, and not just talk them out just be talking them out but to get to a solution um some it has to be resolved I mean, it may not be resolved the way we think it will be, but at least you get an understanding of what's going on. So you'll, I, I assume you'll know the time. I'm not a therapist. This is not about um, me giving advice. I'm going to speak the truth according to my truth and according to what um, Bishop Jester is saying on today. And in the book, you've got to read the rest of that so that you can get to a point. And you've got to get to the end, you all, so you can get to a point where you – can tell your truth and be transparent, but deliver it from a place that you are delivered. Because if we deliver from brokenness, it, it comes out so much differently. And people, yeah, it just comes out so much differently. There's not much more I want to say about that. Um, I do want to bring up one more thing as we get ready to close. Bishop, you had a, a full day, and I appreciate you for being on and um, going through this with us. But I want to mention this, um, <laughs> and I do want you to read this other part. Page um, one, the this, this chapter 16, the last chapter, he didn't marry the lady or the bishop, or did he? I, I want to read one thing, and then we'll backtrack to page 103 um, to hear you say those things again. Page 104, and I want to speak this because I hear so many people, they you're right, they judge what a bishop should be like, what a pastor, what a leader should be like. And I want to end with you saying those things that are on page 103, but I want to say this. If you all would go to that chapter 16, page 104, and for those who don't have the book, you better get the book. Page 104 says this. (laughs) Church folks want to judge leaders, but they don't want to obey the leaders. So after me going in, I know it's hard to believe that I ever come out of my Christian character, right? Brian shared with me that the young lady was having problems. And make sure you read that story. The, the young lady was having problems at home and knew he went to church and was looking for some advice. Can I tell you that the same place he was caught ministering became a place of ministry? I don't want to give the whole story away because I want people to get the book and read that story. But I do want to focus on this. Church folks want to judge leaders, but they don't want to obey the leaders. Can you please touch on that a little bit? Because it is so very true. We have, and last, I think it was last week, when, or we knew about it last week, when the, the young man um, committed suicide, a pastor, I believe he was 29 or 30 in the, that age range, committed suicide. Talk to us about that so that we, as I like this word, parishioners, are not um, putting so much on pastors. Um, Listen, and that's very, very dear to my heart. Again, my undergrad is in psychology, so the way the mind thinks is huge uh, to me, uh, a very passionate area. But when we talk about um, uh, you want to judge us, but you don't want to follow us um, uh, for whatever reason, then we have put leadership on such a pedestal, uh, again, that we don't allow suffering to be safe. And so when we say this is what you're supposed to do, um, listen, if you're going to follow, I need you to follow key number one, being obedient and trusting your follow, trusting who you're supposed to be following. You cannot 
um, tell me what you expect me to be or how you expect me to live if you're not willing to take the advice of how I got to where I am. Um, and so I think that that's the problem. You want to judge me, but you don't want to be judged. And that's the hard part of, of ministry. Um, I mean, every every good leader had to be a, a, a great follower first. But we messed up, um, um, I think, because we just re- we, we try to say this. Listen, how about this? There are so many that have never, never, ever operated in the office of pastor, but they know how to run a church, so they think. <laughs> so they think. And so because from where you sit, this stuff looks easy. Uh, there's, there's misjudgment in the places we're in. And so I think that that's the struggle. Uh, we say church people are supposed to do this or supposed to do that. Man, we're supposed to draw. Uh, and however God uniquely does that, let God do that. But 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 if you're going to follow me, and this might be a hard word, but you're going to have to listen to me. You're going to have to obey what I say or go follow somebody else. I am very good with uh, knowing everybody can't handle my style. I get that um, because I mean what I say and I say what I mean. But if you are going to be connected to me in ministry, you're going to have to trust me enough to know um, that my style of leadership is a tad bit unorthodox, but, but man, I got a good heart. And it might not look like church, but it does look mm. like kingdom. Oh, I love it. Doesn't look like church, but it looks like kingdom. Did y'all hear that? Doesn't look like church, but it looks like kingdom. Church in the sense of what we call it. I, I want you to get that straight. I'm just talking about the bias price. We're talking about church of how we call it church, you know, churchy, whatever. I don't want to go into that too much. But I want to, I want to first of all, thank you because we're getting ready to close, but I do want to you to declare this again so people will understand just a little bit about you. And this is only a few things on page 103 as we go into that. Um, but on page 102, I'm going to read this part, and then if you can go into your four examples so that those who are listening one will listen. Page one oh, I'm gonna read the bottom of page one oh two, and if you can read one oh three, um, those different those different things about you. I'm gonna say it that way. Okay. And okay. and that's for those who, who just to get a little bit about you. So it says so we can get a uh, preference of what we're talking about. My husband and I had grown to a place where we respected both our individuality and who we were together. So. When we sat down to talk about me as a bishop, he responded as he always does. He said, baby, do you. One of the many things that I love about him is that he supports who I am while being 100% himself. I said to my husband, we're talking about um, Bishop Jester saying about her husband, I'm not like most preachers, but I'm definitely not like most female bishops. And if you can tell them what you said in this book on page 103. For example, my clergy attire consists of stilettos, jeans, and a T-shirt, usually one from my own collection. My dress coat only needs Brian's approval. I don't ever have to sit in a pulpit. I'm somewhat opinionated, at least that's what I've been told. I don't think strength means I'm unable to be submissive. Church suits and stockings make me itch. I don't always want to talk church. I don't always listen to gospel music. Love me some common. 
being a female pastor does not make me your mother. I can go to the beach and wear a a swimsuit, let me lose 20 pounds, and get me and go get me a bikini. (laughs) I love me some sports. I am a non-apologetic LeBron James fan. What? (laughs) I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Listen, you all, this is the exclusive um, and there's going to be more. I know there's going to be more people that will want you have um, a much bigger audience than I have, but I am grateful that you took the time to come with me um, on Kingdom Authority. I'm telling you, it's a privilege. I, this, Listen, people of God, you are learning. Um, the thing about you is that we don't, some of us don't need a book to learn who you are because you are transparent without even having written the book. That's the thing. You live out, your life is transparent. And I know it took some time to get there, but we're grateful. And believe me, it's making a huge impact. I had so many women who wanted to say something, and I, there's only so much time. But I really want you to know people are watching, and you know this, but I'm going to say it again. People are watching, they're listening, they're following, they're changing, and you're impacting lives beyond the Arizona geographical area. And so we are super excited about you coming on, being transparent with us. I would like for you to have some last words, and then if you can pray out, um, and then we'll end today's broadcast. Again, let me say thank you um, so very much. And, And to those of you that are listening, I mean this with my heart, that God said to me um, that he was allowing me to take this stage, but that it wasn't for me that it was for us, Um, that I would be able to use my life to lift up, to draw in, to sit with, to walk with other people that just have the desire um, to love God and to get to know God. And so I pray that even this time together tonight we'll begin to establish um, relationships of people that are just looking first to be transparent with you, uh, come to know you and accept who you are, but then are looking to team up with other sisters, other brothers in the ministry that are so good with themselves um, that the opinions of spectators and naysayers, you don't give it the weight that you used to. When you trust God with you, I promise you, uh, everything else will become secondary. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this platform, for this opportunity, um, that God, though we sit in different houses in the state of Arizona, that you've made it possible that our words could go across the nation. For that today, God, we say thank you. God, we thank you for the ability to be transparent, God, first with you, because you know all about us. So we say thank you for delivering us from us. And then, God, thank you for covering us in grace until we got to the place where we recognized what you had created, what you had designed. God, we thank you for this project. Uh, He didn't marry the lady or the bishop. We pray, God, that it will pull some people out. It will push some people up, that it will reposition uh, your men and women in the kingdom, that they get to a place where they can just be naked in front of you, naked and unashamed. We thank you, God. We speak better over the lives of those that are listening, wherever they are across the country. We declare that this is a 
season of deliverance, being delivered from shackles, being delivered from bondage, being delivered from their past. God, you knew all about us and you called us anyway. So we thank you that we do not have to live a life of shame. God, but live a life that will glorify you. We thank you with this, that you saw our mess, and you've made an amazing ministry in it. For that, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much again, um, Bishop Jester, for coming on. Listen, once again, he didn't marry the lady or the bishop, the transparent story of the broken girl that didn't break. Latresa Jester, L-A apostrophe T-R-E-S-A Jester. You can go to latresajester.com and purchase the book. You can also go on at Lady Bishop, I believe it is, for Facebook. Do I have that correct? Yes. Lady Bishop, okay. yes. And make sure you like the page if you have not, and share and follow. Her itinerary will be there, and you can subscribe to latresajester.com and follow and see what's going on, see what's new, get some of the accessories, I think if you said paparazzi accessories, make sure you get the bag. If you have not gotten the bag, only $85, and it includes books and I believe a T-shirt as well and the bag that has her on there. It's, it's critical that we support ministry. And I know I'm talking to some people that are not just in Tucson right now, not just in Arizona. So support ministry as I support you. It's about the kingdom of God, and we want to live this with authority. Take authority in your territory. We thank you so much for joining Kingdom Authority. God bless you and have a great night. Thank you, Pastor Jester. God bless you. Bye bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.